0: What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining us on here, dropping the gloves with Tim and John. Thank you for listening. It's a big one, Tim, today. We weren't sure if we were going to do an episode. You asked me, should we do a Tuesday? What's going on? Should we wait until after the deadline? And boy, what a weekend. There was a lot of action. There was a lot of moves. The GMs were on fire I think they get a little nervous when they see some of those names being moved. Sherat was moved. They already had Tofoli. You had Cal and another deal for Mark. The pieces were starting to move. And you don't want to be the last bell at the ball without a dance partner. And so you got to start making moves. And the names were flying. The drafts pick draft picks were flying. The salaries were being retained. So nobody's salary cap is moving at all. Every every salary out there got retained, at least a portion of it. So it was a very entertaining two days, to say the least. You were mentioning before we came on, it seemed like every 20, 30 minutes, there was another trade coming down the wire. And it's like, what? This guy's going there. This guy's going there. So let's break it down. We'll go trade by, not all the trades. We'll We'll recap some of the major trades and how they affect the playoffs, how they affect the teams, because there were some major teams that were expected to make some moves didn't make anything. The Colorado Avalanche coming into Monday, everyone expected them to, they're going to get Giroud. They're going to get Giroud. They got to get him. And, you know, why would you not want to go there? They haven't made a peep. They haven't done anything. We'll see what happened with them today. We're going to do another recap tomorrow, but they were quiet this weekend, which is very telling. I don't know why. The Florida Panthers all in, trading everybody. Tampa Bay Lightning doing what Tampa Bay Lightning do, adding some very valuable pieces. So let's break it in. Let's, the biggest. Peace. well first tim how you doing you know i'm being rude how are you i you know i was rude to you on friday i called you you know ugly to say you know how are you you look you look great now
1: i'm great i already got a workout in this morning i showered and combed my hair with a with a real comb not my pillow so i'm good by the way i went to uh the charlotte checkers ahl game on saturday night great great little arena bojangles coliseum it's like a little it's cool. It's probably more. It's closer to probably a college arena, like a good BC type college arena, than a than an AHL one. But I really liked it. So I, I got it. I bought the tickets like the, the morning of, and it's just like one seat um, right behind uh, the Checkers goalie because the Providence Bruins were playing them. So I wanted to check them out. So it was a perfect timing. I was great. Um, so I knew guys on both teams, and and I sat next to this guy, an uh, older guy, gentleman in his seventies, named Jim. And he has season tickets. He's had season tickets for like ever. And she's chatting me up. And I was like, "How long you been coming here?" Like, how? and he goes, "Well, this team first came back in 1957, and I would remember going there as a kid. And back then, in the South, hockey was so small." Like they used to have like demonstrations at the arena of like the rules explaining hockey to the fans, oh. like what's going on, why the guys are doing this, why they dress certain ways, what why they blow the whistles, like intermission and stuff. Um, and this is back when it was the EHL, which became the ECHL. Um, and so then the Charlotte Checkers have moved around the leagues, a couple of different arenas, but he's been there like ever since. And so he's like, he's seen all the history, seen all the players come and go. It was really cool. I was chatting him up like the whole game. And then as I was leaving, he was like, hey, I'm not going tomorrow. Here's, here's a ticket to tomorrow's game. And I didn't end up taking it. I mean, I took it, but I didn't end up using it. I just it couldn't go. But really cool game, really cool guy, like made, made my whole night. It was really cool to talk to him. Nice. Who uh, who won the game? It was a great game, too. Uh, the Checkers won in a shootout, I want to say, seven or eight rounds uh zach dalpy who's still like he's the captain down there he's been up and down he's a yeah he's a kurt journeyman guy um he was there and uh you know who impressed me the most i i think i'd heard this name kale flurry he's a defenseman mm-hmm. um yeah he was the best player on either team i think and i he doesn't put up many numbers i'm looking at him he logs the big minutes but he had like maybe 12 points this year or something but great great skater um, and I recognize most of the 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 Bruins guys, obviously, so yeah it was a good it was a good good weekend
0: did Owen tippett that was the game he got benched
1: right he wasn't out there he wasn't out there no yeah no, i didn't really know who he was at the point though like i wasn't looking for him Ah, he's he was the big trade piece in this first
0: trade we 're going to talk about but first, I want to bring up a little shout out to my alma mater, Michigan Tech. they had the big selection day yesterday six thirty All the teams that are going to make the Frozen Four tournament. Michigan Tech made it. They made the tournament, baby. So they play start this weekend. They play Minnesota Duluth in the first round. If they win that game, they play Denver or UMass Lowell. Probably Denver because UMass Lowell, any team out of Massachusetts is usually garbage. So they'll probably play Denver in the finals and off to the Frozen Four. It's very exciting. Michigan Tech doesn't make this tournament very often. So it's it's a big deal for them.
1: Didn't UMass Oh no! I'm thinking UMass. UMass Amherst won the uh, the championship like two years ago, but yeah. maybe in Fine.
0: D3. I'm not sure what where you're getting your facts from. But yes, it's very exciting for Michigan Tech. Congrats to those, uh, those guys, Joe Sean, coach. That's awesome. So we'll be uh, we'll be cheering them on come Saturday. They're playing in Colorado. I want to say Love Loveless or the Loveland Colorado Arena. I don't know what university plays there but yes it'll be a, a fun game to watch I'll be watching all right moving back to the NHL the first big move Claude Giroux to Florida what were you what were your first reactions when you saw that come across the ticker Giroux to Florida were you sure? I was a little surprised what was your reactions
1: I was the opposite I was underwhelmed that was I mean everyone knew he was going to Florida even going back to Thursday night last week when he didn't travel with the team. So I was hoping like some exciting last minute thing would happen. He went somewhere else. So when it came through, I was like, okay, that's what we thought.
0: Yeah. I thought he was going to go to Colorado a little bit. There was this part of me that just thought, you know what? Colorado is a juggernaut. He's going to go there. The rich is going to get richer. But when I saw the Florida trade, I don't know. I, I, I still don't trust Florida for whatever reason. Do you have that same feeling where it's like they're the Panthers they're going to mess it up. They still got to get – like, there's some big, big boys in that division that they have to get by. Even getting out of their own division, you got to get through Tampa Bay, and we'll, we'll touch on them in a little bit. But does this make Florida the big bad wolf in the east? They got Ben Sherratt earlier in the week. They get Claude Giroux, the other big piece. So the two biggest pieces on defense and on forward go to the Florida Panthers. They have to be the favorites, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, they—you could make the case they were already the favorites. Right now, they're—they're they're the best team in the Eastern Conference, and they're second best team in the entire league based on their current point situation. Three behind Colorado, two ahead of Carolina, so they're already right there. They just added—I don't know. How, what do you? What's what's Giroux at this point in his career? A top forty player, a top fifty player, or something like that? He's, yep uh they're a good team this is a juggernaut i i i understand though there's something there it's just like uh, i don't know it's still florida but i expect this team to do really well in the playoffs i see them i see them beating really anyone in the east um i i can't really imagine who would beat them maybe tampa but I, th- I think i like florida more
0: i don't know that's going to be an interesting thing to to debate after the first round there's going to be some good series happening out east but you know right now they got drew slotting in first line left wing so you put Giroux, Barkov, and Carter Verhage together. Then you got Huberto, Bennett, duclair Pretty good second line. This is where I think they outshine other teams. They're third and fourth line. They got Marchment, Lustonaren, and then Reinhardt. And Reinhardt, not so quietly, that trade with the Buffalo Sabres, he is having a career year. He's putting up numbers he's never put up before. That was a great trade for the Florida Panthers. I know that they gave up a first-rounder for him, but boy, oh, boy, He has totally transformed that third line. He can play up and down the lineup. He's used to playing first-line minutes. If you put a guy like that versus third-line players, he's going to succeed, and he's done it all season long. Then all of a sudden, you got Jumbo, Nola Kari, and Patrick Hornfist on the fourth line, and they're just steady-as-she-goes, grizzled veterans who know exactly how to play, and they're not going to make mistakes. That's a pretty dangerous four lines, if you ask me. Then on the back end, some somewhat big news. Aaron Eckblad out for an injury. He's he's going to return s- projected to be first round of the playoffs. We'll see how that pans out. If they're maybe having an easy go of the Washington Capitals or the Boston Bruins. Maybe he'll they'll hold him out a little bit longer, but he's out. They pick up Robert Haggy or Hag. I don't know how you pronounce his last name from the Sabres to kind of take his spot. You got Ben Sherratt. You got Radko Gudis. You got Weger. You got Forsling. You got Montour. It's not really a sexy D-corps like you see in Tampa Bay or other teams around the league, but it's just a group of six guys who know how to play hockey and they're good NHL defensemen. If the Florida Panthers do have a weak weakness, it's their back end. Don't you think? Or is it their goaltending? Where if you're going to beat Florida, why are they going to lose?
1: Did you say Sherrod in that group too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause he's, he's listed non-roster right now, I think because of the the transaction, but yeah, I I don't know. I'm not concerned about them. It's a huge blow for Ekblad, but the bigger concern is what's he going to look like when he comes back? Like, this is the second year in a row. He's obviously hurt. Last year you saw him go down over the weekend. You're like, oh no, not again. And it's just a tough blow. Cause he's not really an injury-prone player. Like these are freak accidents that are happening in isolation. It's not like he's always dinged up. So it's 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 just it's hard to watch. So I, I hope he comes back well. And I hope he's you know, he's the guy. He's a top five defenseman in the league when he's healthy. So he changes their entire makeup, their lineup. And if he's not healthy, or if he's not really quote unquote himself, um that's going to change a lot of things in the back end. We talked about this before. It's not just like oh, someone else has to like step up, It changes your whole back end. So now you got a second third line guy, pairing guy playing first line minutes and you got third four, third pairing guy playing shutting down against, you know, a top a top six forward group every every other shift and then you got someone who's usually scratched, who's not really an, maybe not even an NHL defenseman playing <clears throat> some heavy minutes. So it changes the whole the, the whole lineup. So I hope he comes back healthy. So who makes the team better? Is it Claude
0: Giroux or is it Ben Sherratt? They both got first-rounders for those guys. Which one, at the end of the day, do you think, if the Panthers are hoisting the cup in a few months, which one is the guy that kind of improves their team the most? Is it the, the stay-at-home defenseman, the Ben Sherratt, who can shut down another team's top line? He proved it last year in the playoffs with Montreal when he just shut down the Tampa Bay Lightning's top line. He, he really did a good job. Of being that guy or is it the all-star game MVP is it the guy who's just got silky smooth mitts for hands the Claude Giroux which one makes a bigger impact for the Panthers
1: that's a hard question when they made both of these trades Giroux uh Ekblad was healthy he hadn't been hurt yet so I would have answered that question Giroux but now and Drew's obviously the better player he's the impact guy but even with or without Eckblad injury, you, you might say Sherratt. Like, defensemen get hurt during the playoffs. You need those, those type of defensemen that can log those minutes and play the shutdown role that will eat pucks. And I don't know that Florida really needed offense. I mean, it's always good to add a, a superstar to your lineup, obviously, but scoring goals was not an issue for them. Um, so I, I can go either way. What do you think? Yeah, I, I honestly
0: think it's Sherat. I think Florida going into the trade deadline, they were one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL. I still don't think they've been shut out. They averaged three to four games, goals a game, excuse me. And just getting Giroux, that that's a nice little bump. You know, he he's going to improve their play. I don't think it'll be drastically improved, but I do think he's obviously going to bring a different element to the team that they didn't have before. He's such a good player. Their weakness was on the back end. If you were going to beat the Florida Panthers, you were going to get them on their heels, you were going to pressure their defense and you were going to get them on the run. That's the way to beat this team. You can't run and gun with them. You have to grind them out in their own zone and just force them to make mistakes. Make mistakes. And I think getting Sherrod, getting Ekblad healthy, it bumps one of those defensemen off the roster who is, you know, eh, maybe not up to up to task when when you get into the tough situation. So I think at the end of the day Sherrod's going to be the guy who makes this team a very, very, very just dangerous team come playoff times. And I'm not meaning first round. I'm meaning second, third Stanley Cup finals. He's going to be the guy who puts them over the edge because I think they would have gotten there without Giroux if they don't get him just because they had Sherratt. Now, when it comes to the goaltending, can Bobrovsky continue his strong play or his friend of the show, Spencer Knight, all of a sudden going to take the range. You know the kid is unflappable. That'll be exciting to see who gets to, uh, who gets the net when the playoffs run around because you're not going to win every game. And how how confident are they going to be on Barbrowski, knowing that they have a stud backing him up? And this is all in for the Panthers. They traded three first-rounders. They don't have a first-rounder next year, 2023, 2024. That's it. They're out of first-rounders for the next three years. So this is it. This is their window. I don't know. I, I'm still not sold, Tim. Did they give up too much for Giroux? Everybody was talking about the Hall. That the floor, the Philadelphia Flyers got. They give up Owen Tippett, 2024 first round pick, a 2023 third round pick, and then they retain 50% of Giroux's salary, which is a common theme these days. Is this a fair deal for both teams or is it one-sided? Like people are saying, oh, you know, they got fleece, they gave up too much for him.
1: No, fair deal for both teams. I, I like this package, and especially when you compare it to some of the other deals that may be a little bit more lopsided, which we'll get into pretty short, pretty shortly.
0: Well, let's get into another deal. We'll stay out east. So The east was busy. They really, really were. It was just an arms race in the east. It was Tampa. It was Florida. It was Boston. It was Toronto. These were the teams that were making moves. It was very interesting to see. Not a lot of action out west. I wonder if that will change today as, as the day goes on. But big move. In my opinion, this will be the longest-lasting, most impactful move of the day. Hampus Lindholm goes to the Boston Bruins. The Bruins were linked to everybody and their brother and they finally pulled the trigger, and they got Hampus Lindholm. How happy were you when you saw this trade come through? Just let, take me through your emotions, Tim. Because uh, they paid was, a lot for him. They paid a lot for him.
1: They did. And that was my first reaction. I was very excited when it came through. And then I was like, I forget what, why, but I hadn't checked my phone in like two hours or something. And I was like, whoa, I missed all this stuff. And so I I saw that come through, and I was like, whoa, that's a lot. Um, and so the trade was Hampus Lindholm and Cody Curran, who's a minor league player, for Urho Vakanainen, John Moore, first-round pick this year, second-round pick next year, and t- second-round pick 2024. Vakanainen's a good prospect. He's not like an A-level prospect, but he's a good skater. He's He played well. He got hurt earlier this year. But he's been a guy that's been on their radar to hopefully make the team the last two or so years. So – He's a, he's a good player, um, and then John Moore was, is not. <laughs> um, so the, getting rid of his salary is a good thing. Um, so it was expensive, but it was worth it. Getting rid of that Moore contract, he makes 2.75 through next season, so another year and a half, um, was great. And that's probably why you had the, you gave up so many picks. You know, without John Moore, it's probably the Vakanainen first-round pick and maybe a, a, one of the second-round picks. Adding a second one gets you rid of John Moore which is good. The Bruins also needed help on the left-hand side of defense. I've been saying that for a while. And so you do that. You address that Mm -hmm. need immediately. I expect him to start with Charlie McAvoy. Um, I like how the way that Grizzly and Carlo play together on the second line. And then you've got some combination of uh, Derek Forbert, Mike Riley, Connor Clifton, and that bottom pairing. And I think Connor Clifton's probably the odd, odd man out. So I like this a lot. Um, I mean Lindholm, he's a good player. He's he's a big body, he plays in all situations, he'd log those heavy minutes. It's exactly what they need, and it's worth the price of admission, in my, in my opinion. What do you think?
0: I agree. Like I said, I think this is the biggest impactful trade so far that's gonna change a team drastically. I think this is a big trade for the Boston Bruins. We know they can score goals. They've somewhat solidified their first and second line, moving Pasternak down to the second line and keeping him there, not shifting him back up and down. Having no sick Marchand DeBrus, they have Taylor Hall, Hall and Pasternak, and then you have a Bergeron that's going to come back. He's been hurt lately, so it's they've solidified the first two lines, and that that's been a big problem for them. The third and fourth line, Frederick, Coyle, Smith, they've been decent. You know what they've I mean? Been, they've been serviceable. They've more. been
1: really good even really so good. I
0: think the the issue for them has been the back end it's been the left right it's been the un, un, inconsistency of the three four and the, and the five six I think McAvoy like you said has done a good job this year and this is I don't know Tim like it, <laughs> I tell you what the Bruins have been dangerous they've been playing really good hockey the last month and a half and I would not want to play these guys in the playoffs and if if I'm Carolina or Florida I am sprinting as fast as I can. Like you look at the end of the year, teams take games off. They give guys games off just to get ready for the playoffs. That's not going to happen this year because no one is going to want to play these Boston Bruins. They were very hard out. And if if I'm Florida or Carolina, I do not want to be the number two seed in the Eastern conference. I'm almost losing if I'm in the second seed so I can bump down to three because I don't want to play the Boston Bruins. That's how scary I think this team is. They are primed to upset a team in the first round and getting Hampus Lindholm. I know people think he's got the Swedish name. He's got this like flashy Hampus Lindholm. You just assume he's going to be a puck moving skill defenseman. The guy's six foot four. He's a big bruiser. He gets up and down the ice. He's a kind of a jack of all trades. He's he's decent with the puck. He's not going to wow you with his skill set, but he does everything really good. And he's just a huge body human who really just physically imposes his will on guys. And you don't really see that a lot from a guy named Hampus Lindholm. So I think the Bruins fans are going to love him. And to put the cherry on top of this, they signed him to a fantastic extension, like just a fantastic deal, eight years, $6.5 million. If they would not have signed him, I think this was a bad trade for Boston, but they must have talked to his agent beforehand, knowing that he wanted to stay in Boston. And so they wrap this deal up right away. All of a sudden the Bruins decor, they're signed for the next two years, all of them. So they can just check that box, go go forth, go in the future, and just work on the third line, work on the fourth line, try to find someone to replace Bergeron if he wants to leave in this off season. I don't know, man. The East is getting stronger. I don't know who to pick in the East. It's a toss up right now because the seventh seed right now, if you take Boston and throw them in the West, they're they might be the best team in the West at this point. They're right there, like they're better. It's it would be them, Colorado and Calgary. Other than that, everybody's just below them that's how good the east is it's scary there's gonna be so many great series in the first round i'm so excited just just for it to happen i know what
1: go ahead on that on that note other than calgary and colorado how many teams could you go down the the list in the east before you get to a team that's worse than someone in the west what do you mean makes sense okay calgary and colorado are both top what five-ish teams in the league right now yeah, how far in, in the east do you have to go down before you find the next best team from the west? Like, how m- okay? All- oh,
0: I, I see what you're saying. So, if you have the whole league, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I think Colorado and 10 of a are top right 12 there.
1: in the east, Eight yeah, the top 10, something like that. I would say so
0: because in the west, the next best team in the west <sighs> is it St. Louis? It, yeah, is it LA? You know what I mean. Do you have a team that uh, Dallas that's coming down strong? But then you go down like the top eight teams in the East are all better. So once you get by Colorado and Calgary, the next eight teams, if they're one two, Colorado Calgary, which they aren't, the next eight teams are from the East. So the East is just so much stronger this year, and I, I, we said it before the season, and they've just proven it. It's just it's amazing the amount of talent that is in the East right now, and it's a shame that. They're just going to beat each other's heads in the playoffs and just come into the Stanley Cup limping because it's just such a trek to get there. But I don't know. Anything you want to touch on the limo before we move on?
1: No, let's stay in the East. There's another big trade in Toronto. Well, we're
0: not going out West because they're not doing anything. They're just, they're trading guys. They're not getting anything back. So we're staying in the East. And I think that's going to be a trend. There's no teams in the West right now that I think are going to add. Going into this, maybe Minnesota will do something. Maybe Minnesota. They picked up Nicky Delorier, friend of the show. I used to play with them. Good pickup, but he's not going to move the needle too much. Do you think Minnesota is going to make a big splash? They've been linked to Marc-Andre Fleury pretty heavily. So that's uh, that could be interesting. A funny story about Marc-Andre Fleury. There was trades on the table from Washington and Edmonton to try to get Marc-Andre Fleury, and he's like, no, I'm not going there. What does that say about those two organizations <laughs> or the state of their teams where Marc-Andre Fleury – does not want to go to your team he's sitting in Chicago, a team that's not going to make not going to make playoffs at all, and he would rather not go play in the playoffs than play for the Oilers or the capitals. Does that say something about your team that a goalie doesn't want to go play for you that a goalie that's not in the playoffs right now?
1: Yeah, it does and probably means less coming from him because he's got his cups like if you had Carter Hart nixing trades to those teams where he's like 24 years old, all the future has never won anything. And he still doesn't want to play in Washington or yeah. Edmonton. That might be something, but still, yeah. Flurry, he, he, you can read the tea leaves and know, Hey, this, this, nothing's happening in those two seasons. I want no part of that. It's got to
0: sting the nostrils. It really does. Like everybody, nobody wants to play at Edmonton. Everybody says no when they, and they're trying to get guys. It's not like, you know, they're, they're not, they're sitting on their hands. They're trying to go out and get players. All right. So another big trade. No big trade, another trade. You think this is a big, big trade. Do you think this is going to move the needle? I don't know. We'll see how it pans out. Mark Giordano gets traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Everybody knew this was going to happen. He made it explicitly obvious that he wanted to go home. He wanted to play for the Maple Leafs. The thing that was strange to me was that Ron Francis even said, if Mark wants to go somewhere, we will help facilitate that and we will take less. And so this was a steal for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They went out, they get Mark Giordano and a player who I think will be more valuable than Giordano, Colin Blackwell, who is a sneaky good little fourth line player gets in on the four check only makes $750,000 and he doesn't, he puts up points. He's like a point every other game guy. I think he's going to be the sneaky pickup of this trade, but to the bigger piece, Mark Giordano, as we've said, Seattle cracker retrain retains 50% of his salary. So it doesn't do anything with the salary cap. What do you what do you make of this trade? Earlier in the day, they traded Travis Durbin to Vancouver, dumped his salary. He hasn't played in a long time anyways. He didn't work out with Toronto. So the room was there. They bring in Giordano. Is this just another Joe Thornton, another Paddy Marlowe, another Jason Spezza, another big-name guy coming to Toronto, coming home. Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons trying to win the cup. You yeah. know, it, are we just beating a dead horse here with bringing in these old guys with Toronto? What do you think of this trade?
1: I, I think you're the only one who doesn't think this is a big trade. Like no, yeah, not. like well, everyone people are making it out to be. And I think I don't know, you're not getting the Norris trophy winner, Mark Giordano, But don't forget that all of his success really came after age thirty. Like he was a late bloomer. He's he's he wasn't like putting up crazy numbers or doing all these things when he was twenty five years old. So I, I think he's not that far removed from being an elite NHL defenseman. And I guess age catches up with you, but He's a good player still, I think, effectively. Um, but like you said, I, I was going to talk about like the leadership that he brings and the experience, blah, 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 blah. But what did they do with Spezza and Thornton and Simmons and Marlowe and the, all the leadership those guys brought? So what do I know? I don't know. But I, I I hope it works out. He's a good player. He's a likable guy. So maybe did he get him out of the first round? Well, yeah. they're
0: Well, they're, they're lined up to play Tampa Bay right now. Yeah. So, you know like what I mean can you slay that dragon of Tampa Bay but I don't know if what Toronto needed was do you consider Mark Giordano a puck moving defenseman a guy who can get you out of your zone and jump up in the play and be the fourth man in the rush and beat his forward up the play to kind of make it a four on three do you consider him to be that type of defenseman anymore
1: probably not I I picture him being like Good at everything, not many weaknesses, not great at any one thing at this point in his career. Just like a good all-around game, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, he, he's gonna make the good first pass. He won't get caught out of position. He's still a good NHL defenseman. His numbers are he's an he's an average defenseman, defenseman in these days. I think his his analytics, he's like one percent better than the average defenseman. So, you know what I mean? Is it making that big of a difference? People are making this out to be like this huge haul. Mark Giordano, I think they're looking at it with rose-colored glasses when he won the Norris. He was with Calgary, and he was doing all these fantastic things. He's been playing in Seattle. He's been getting good ice time. They've been protecting him. He's going to come to Toronto. Here's where my issue is. Toronto doesn't have a lot of good puck-moving defensemen. They have Morgan Riley, and they have Rasmus Sandin. Other than that... All the other defensemen are more your physical, stay-at-home conservative style defenseman. Ilya Labushkin, who they traded for. He's a bigger body, block shots, hits. Mark Giordano, not going to get up in the rush. TJ Brody, bigger guy, okay with the puck, but not an offensive threat at all. Um, Jake Muslin when he comes back. Somewhat, he takes some chances here and there, but he's never been, you know, he, he's not he's not a Drew Dowdy. He, he's Jake Muzzin, so he he's not going to be a Morgan Riley who's going to control the power play. That's my only issue. When you get into the playoffs, the four-check's going to be coming. You're going to be under pressure all the, all the time. You can't just rip the puck around the boards these days. You have to make good passes. You have to get out of the zone. I don't know if Toronto has that. I don't know, and that's my only question mark with this back end. Yes, they're all really good defensemen. I still don't trust them. All they have to do is get the puck up to the forwards, and then they'll do the rest. I don't know if they can do that. I don't know if they're on their heels and they're getting forechecked upon that they're going to be able to get out of their, their own zone. That's my only issue with the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. It will, and they're goaltending, obviously. They, they, that's a huge question mark. This Eric Hall, Hallgren, I don't think he's the answer. They put Mrazic on waivers. They signed some guy from Sweden who's a vet and who's played in the KHL for years, and all of a sudden he might come in and be the, the answer. I don't know what's going on with the goaltending situation. All I know is this year, Donald trade, it won't make that much of a difference difference in my eyes. And, you know, maybe a slight uptick, the sentimental values there. It doesn't do anything for me. It's not, it's not like a Lynn trade. It's not like a chariot trade. This is a lateral movement and you're getting a, maybe a little more veteran savvy in the playoffs. That, that's the way I see this trade. I don't know. I think they would have been better off going out and getting a Justin Braun, going out and getting a Middleton from San Jose. Maybe the asking prices were too high. I doubt they were, but I feel like there was better defensive options out there and they just didn't pull the trigger on. So that's even a Dehan from Chicago, I think would have been a better option than a Mark. Man, maybe not a Dehan, but like a Braun or a Middleton, I think are better options at this point. What Toronto needs than a Mark Giordano.
1: So, they, like you mentioned, they traded Dermot, they waived Mrazic, they traded away Hutton to make room for this deal. And, and Seattle gets another couple pair of picks. So, I've been, I saw a great tweet and I, I forget who tweeted it out, but brought my, to my attention what they've accumulated in the last year and a half with, with these trade picks. And it's actually incredible. So, in the next three seasons, and these should all be like, they're going to have lottery picks every year. They have three first round picks, seven second round picks. Five third-round picks, five fourth-round picks, three fifth-round picks, three sixth-round picks, four seventh-round picks. It's like I don't know what's the math. That's like forty picks in in three years. Like it's crazy. And and hopefully they can do some good things with that. They're probably not also done. They they've got one or two more pieces they can move today. So really good for them. They can you can see them building for the future.
0: Yeah, picks are picks. It's like we've seen how the Bruins draft. You know, we've seen how the uh, Leafs draft. We've seen how uh, a lot of teams draft. So uh, That's
1: why I was okay with getting rid of a pick, too. I'm like,
0: we're not going to do anything with that. So No, like it, it's it's one thing to stare at all your first-round draft picks. It's another thing to look back in two years and be like, boy, we really blew those draft picks. That was a big big swing and a miss for us. Remember when the Bruins have three in a row? They won 15, 16, 17. And it, don't. we talk about it all the time. It was just a uh. huge... When I'm feeling down like that, if I'm a GM who drafts terribly, you know what I do? I just eat my feelings and I go to DoorDash. I open up my phone, bing, bong, donuts. If I'm in Boston, give me some Dunkin' Donuts, a coffee. It just helps calm me down, and it's just so easy to use on DoorDash. And I have my promo code, promo, GlovesDD, if I'm in Canada, US. If I'm in Boston, I'm their GM who's just a terrible drafter. You get 25% off. You get free delivery. It's a really good company, and it'll help you after this trade deadline extravaganza and you're sitting there and you're the Colorado Avalanche fan who your team has done absolutely nothing. And all of a sudden you're looking at the playoff scenario and it's not looking too hot anymore. Use DoorDash, eat your feelings, get yourself happy again. That's what food's there for. It's, it's meant to cheer you up when you're feeling down. So hit up DoorDash, you know, what? get a bottle of wine when you're at it. They do wine too. They do everything. DoorDash, check it out. Tell them we sent you gloves. DD. If you're in Canada, gloves, DD us, you're in the USA. Save yourself some money, get yourself some happy feelings while you're at it. All right, let's go on to the two-time Stanley Cup champion, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the team that you you think is done. They can't maneuver this salary cap era, especially with the flat cap. There's no way they're gonna win that second Stanley Cup. Ding, they win the second Stanley Cup. There's no way they're gonna repeat this year. They gotta have Stanley Cup hangover. They gotta, you know, at some point, this salary cap system is gonna hit them and knock them on their behind. Well, lo and behold, Tampa Bay has done it again. Julianne Brisebois has pulled a fast one on everybody, and he's made some pretty good deals, Tim. And he's he's paid for them. But I woke up this morning, and I saw the deals, and I was like, what happened to the Tampa Bay Lightning? Break down both of these deals for us.
1: Well, the first one and the bigger one was Brandon Hagel from Chicago. So the trade was Hagel, two fourth-round picks to the Blackhawks in exchange for two first-round picks a player named Taylor Radish, and a player named Boris Kachuk. Kachuk, Kachuk. who knows. Um, this is a bigger deal than I think people realize. Hagel's he, a good player. He's got 21 goals this year. He's got an exceptionally high shooting percentage, like 22%. So that'll come back down to earth. But like he's, he's offensively gifted, even though he's a pass-first guy and he's a good two-way player. So AKA, he's like a perfect third-line guy that just like the Coleman Goudreaux's of the world they've added in recent years, I think he's going to be super underrated. And like you said, when, when the first couple of lines, you know cancel each other out in a, in a playoff stretch, these are the players that make an impact. And these are the mm-hmm. ones that, when you look back on a cup run, you're like, yeah, he was the one that put us over the top. And he's going to have, mark my words, he's going to have an overtime goal or some big play where you're like, yep, this is what we brought him in for. And uh, he's just a good, good, good player. So I, I don't think people realize how effective he can be.
0: I agree this and then touch on the other trade as well, because I want to talk about these two guys together.
1: Yeah. So the second trade came in yesterday afternoon, Nick Paul um, from the senators who was a a name that we thought might get moved. Um, He got traded to the the lightning for Matthew Joseph, who is an effective fourth line player um, and a fourth round pick. So Paul, I think just a little bit of of an upgrade and they added some like good depth and, and two way play with these two moves. Totally agree. So Nick Paul, he's actually
0: older than Matthew Joseph. Matthew Joseph has a lot more experience. Like you said, he's a good player. He gets up and down the ice. He's very serviceable. But I think what he lacks is size and grittiness and just defensive dependability. And that's what Nick Paul gives you. He's not good on the offensive end, Nick Paul at all and the reason Ottawa traded him he wants 3.5 a year in a long-term deal I don't think he's worth 3.5 at this point so he's going to get a chance to prove it in the playoffs now and hopefully he scores a Barclay goodrow deal where he just people pay for what he did in the playoffs rather than his regular season stats so these two players. Brandon Hagel, Nick Paul, they have completely, <laughs> again, and I'm not saying this lightly, I know I know, it's a strange thing to say when you have a Kaloran, Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, Palat, and then on the back end you have Hedman and Surgachev and McDonough and Bogosian. These two guys transform this team. They really, really do. You don't have to touch the fourth line. You got Maroon, Belmare and Corey Perry, a good veteran fourth line. You nailed it when you said this third line will win them a Stanley Cup. When you look back last year and the year before, the line that won them the cup, every line that started the game, every line that went on after they got scored on, every line that went on after they scored, it was Gord, Gaudreau, and Coleman. They set the tone. They set the pace. Those three guys were the guys that rode. They were the guy that stirred the drink. They were the guys that did everything. When you needed something done, you would put those three guys out. End of the game, you're up by one goal. We're putting out the third line. Start of the game putting those guys out they set the tone and those guys followed them into battle every single game and this is this line Hagel gets up and down the ice he can play first second third line minutes he is going to be really hard to play against nick paul is a big bodied forward he excels defensively he excels it's such a such a luxury other teams they have to match up their first line with the other team's first line tampa Bay can take their third line and throw it at the other team's first line then you have your first and second mind to play whoever you want against. It's such a luxury to be able to do that. There's not a lot of teams that have the ability to just throw a third or fourth line and just eliminate the other team's first line. And that's what Tampa Bay is going to do. Ross Colton is a really good centerman who can just glue on the other team's centerman. So this is, they, they paid a big price for it. They played a really big price for it. Hagel got two first rounders. There's a reason he got two for two first rounders. I don't see him being a third line guy in four years. He'll be a second first-line guy potentially, but right now, man, I like this trade for Tampa Bay. That's why I couldn't go all in on Florida because of these two moves. Last week, I said Nick Paul's going to be a big piece. Whoever's going to pick him up is going to be really happy with the way he plays, and I truly believe that. I, I do think he has a higher offensive upside than he's getting credit for. Playing in Ottawa, he never really got to play with some talented, talented guys. It'll be interesting to see how he you know, improves in Tampa Bay, but ugh, Tim, I'm so torn right now. In the Eastern Conference, who to to choose? There are so many good teams and everybody's just loading up. Tampa Bay is six points behind Florida right now. They have a game in hand. They could potentially catch them. I don't think they will. But boy, oh boy, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm just like, what do we got to do? What do we have to do to get ahead of these guys? I go out. I sign everybody in the off season. I make move after move after move. I have the most exciting young trio of players in Nylander, Matthews, and Marner. I get, you know, this young rookie coming in, Michael Bunting. He's playing out of his mind. I have John Tavares. He's finally, and I'm still not better than the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm still not better. What do I have to do? You still have Florida after these two trades, Tim. You still think Florida's better.
1: E, uh, after that whole rant, I don't know. Vasilevsky
0: but, yeah. in the pipes. Uh, yeah.
1: I, I still like Florida. I do.
0: Oh I do. boy. It's, it's, it's uh, close. It's, it's close. close. It's very, very close. It'll be exciting to see today because there's a team we're not talking about and they have a ton of salary cap space. They're sitting there in the weeds in the East. No one's talked about them a little bit. The New York Rangers. I'm wondering what they will do. If anything, they have so much cap space this is their year. When you have these young guys locked up, what, the Foxes and these guys who are still under their entry-level contract deals, you have to make the best of it. And I don't know why they're not doing it. Next year, Fox's salary goes from 925000 to $9.5 So you have $9 million here to throw around. I don't know why they're not making any moves. Maybe they're waiting on a player who knows what's going on? Chris Drury has never really been in this position when they have a team who could potentially win the Stanley cup. I want them to make a move. I want them to do something to show some support for these players for how well you've an MVP candidate, Igor Soserskin. That's a team to me that needs to make a move with all these other teams in the East, just throwing everything they have at it. I need the Rangers to do
1: something. All right. What are we talking about now? Tim? I have a question for you. You played in yeah. the NHL, right? I did a couple years. Yeah um that's not the question but I saw this this uh conversation online about the Bruins needing to make another move because Forbert and Riley both can't play the right-hand side they're both left handed shots and they both only play left-hand side to the point where they're exploring additional defensemen and move, maybe moving one of these guys so how does that work at the NHL level you ex- is it an asset to be able to play either side Do you expect it to be able to play either side like good guys not do it well like how does that work
0: well it it's definitely no one can do it very well. Like it's it's a huge asset if you're a left-handed shot playing the right side or a right-handed shot playing the left side. Obviously the other way because the number of right-handed defensemen is much, much smaller than left-handed defensemen. It's just the overall handedness of the NHL. I want to say it's 65, 35 left to right. Most guys are left-handed. So it, it's hard on the back end for when you go D to D. If you have to open up on your forehand – you can't see half the ice because you're staring at your partner waiting to receive the pass by the time you get it and then turn up ice, you have to just again, scan to see where everyone is. But if you're already open up in your right-hand D shot, you can see the whole ice while the puck comes across your body. Then you have the whole ice to make a play. So it's a big deal. I've seen guys try to transition from left to right, just get absolutely killed in the NHL because you try to take a pad, you, should I take it on my forehand or my backhand? If you take it on your forehand, you're not used to guys coming down the wall. And you just get pasted, and you get killed, and it's very dangerous. So it's, it's a big asset. And you can't just expect a guy, a Riley or a Forbert, to say, you know what? I'll play right. I haven't played in my whole career, my whole life. I'm 30-some years old. I'll play right in the NHL. It won't work. It won't work. The D to D is off the boards is completely different. You have to be used to taking a puck off your backhand to your forehand. And it seems simple. It seems like, oh, these guys in the NHL, they can do it. It's not. It's not. When you know you got a guy breathing down your neck and you got to take it from your backhand to your forehand, and then you got to tip, somehow get it up the boards. It's, it's not easy. I, I think Boston should address that because that will be an issue for them. You know, obviously Riley would be the better guy suited for that because he's better with the puck and forbert's more of a physical stay at home defenseman type, but I agree. Whoever's saying that you should go out and address that because it's nice. The luxury of having a left, right. Canada stresses that when they go to the Olympics, they need to have a left, right, left, right, because it does make a huge difference. It's something little, but it makes a huge, huge difference. On the offense, doesn't matter. You want one-timers. You want this and that. Some forwards prefer to play on their offside just so they can get a better angle on the net. You have more net to shoot at. So it's not an issue when when you're a forward. But as a D-man, I always like playing on the left side. I hated playing on the right side. So it's just it's real. It's a good question, Tim. Very good. Thanks for answering.
1: Okay, quick hits. Uh, We talked about this already, but Ekblad obviously is is hurt week to week. That's when they, that hag move they made was in response to that injury. Uh, So that'll be something to keep an eye on in Florida. Ovechkin over the weekend. I know you probably wanted to skip over this. Scored his 40th goal. It feels like last week he scored his 30th goal, doesn't it? Like we just talked about that. And he tied Wayne Gretzky for the record for a number of 40 goal seasons. What do you have to say about that?
0: Washington's playing good. They've been playing great. there. I think they're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They lost last night finally, but they've been playing good. I, I never said Ovechkin was a I, – I said he's the greatest goal scorer in our time. If you go back and listen to the podcast, I have given this guy his accolades. He's a good goal scorer. I don't think he's going to catch Gretzky, but good for him. You know, I, I consider him a friend. We've had a lot of friendly conversations along the way. But, uh, yeah, I think it's great. I was wrong in my bull prediction. Who cares? He's got 40 – big deal. I don't care. All of them are empty netters. Guy's a loser. No, I'm kidding. It, it's, it's fun to see him. He's an incredible goal scorer. I would love to see him, you know, progress in the playoffs, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But just individually, it's a big feat. It's a big feat anytime you can tie Wayne Gretzky with a record scoring 40 goals in how many consecutive seasons. That's a huge deal in the NHL because Wayne Gretzky was a superhuman when it came to hockey. So good for Alex. I like to see that.
1: Uh, I'll just wrap with, you know, obviously we're recording this Monday morning. The deadline's this afternoon. We expect a lot more trades to come through. I don't know. Do you expect any more big trades to come through today? The the
0: big names to me are the Ricard Raquel's. I think a Justin Braun, and Andrew Kopp from Winnipeg. I think he'll have a big return on him. Jacob Chitron, I don't think he's going to get traded. Does DeBrusque finally get traded after he's been begging for a trade all season long? There are some decent names out there. John Klingberg from Dallas, we haven't heard much of Dallas at all. So there are some names out there, but you know, there, I don't see it being that much movement for the rest of the day. I really don't. So tomorrow's show, we'll be just kind of recapping all the junky little trades that happen. If, the, if anything out West happens, that'll be exciting to see. Colorado has to make a move. Don't you think they, they need to no. make some kind of... You don't think no. they need
1: to do anything. They're the best team in the league. They don't need to make a move.
0: Still, you think they're the best
1: team in the league? Yes. Yeah. You're crazy. Yeah. Who's
0: better? No way. No, who's better? Yeah. I think the Hurricanes are better. I think the Panthers are better, and I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are better. I think if they play any of those three teams in the playoffs, I think they lose. That's that's my feelings right now. And I think even Toronto would have a good chance against Colorado at this point.
1: No, I don't think. I think.
0: I think Calgary is better than Colorado. In the West, when we do our predictions, if these teams don't make a move, I'm taking Calgary over Colorado. I think Calgary has a better team. They have a better system. They've made a lot of good moves. They've picked up some yawn marks and some, some tofolies to that have strengthened their team. Colorado does have holes. Yes, they have a good top end. Yes, they have high-end goal or, uh, defensemen. They do have some holes that they need to address. I hate to break it to you. All right, Tim. Fans want to know. I nailed my points bet, by the way, last week. So I think I had I. Six, six games. I nailed five
1: of them. So what, what are we doing this week? Um, only a handful of games tonight. And again, I I'm hesitant to bet on anything. If I was, uh, a betting man, which I am, I might not bet tonight just cause you don't know what what big moves could come through today. But if you are going to bet, if you got the bug, like I do, I like Boston over Montreal tonight. It's in Montreal, which I understand is a travel day, but I like Boston big time over these guys. They're minus forty five, not a huge haul, but that's my pick tonight.
0: I like it, nice and simple. Bruins over Montreal, lock it in. Very exciting. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll recap all the trades, anything that comes down the line. We'll be the, you'll be the first to know. Nathan Bulju just went to Pittsburgh. Good sir, I like Nathan Bulju. He's like tough. That guy throws his knuckles and I watch it because he's a fun, entertaining fire fighter. He's got a nice head of hair on him, but uh, yeah, we'll recap all the trades tomorrow, everybody. So check it out. Have yourself a good night. Glue to the TV set a trade deadline extravaganza. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with John Scott, a member of the nation network of podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode
1: delivered by DoorDash.